Say with me the anointing. I want the presence of God to come into this place tonight. I want His anointing to touch you, not just in a way that you always expected, but in a way where the anointing is piercing and has a lasting effect. Are you guys with me? With me. What use is it to be in a spiritual church, a prophetic church, but we are not tapping or people are not tapping into a dimension. Listen, there are, there are realms and dimensions that can be accessed through meditation. Are you guys with me? If you can help me with a bit of throw or so and it feels like my voice is dropping, but if you guys can, that'll help me a bit, please, thanks. Uh, there'll be, there's realms that can be accessed with meditation. There are depths in the Spirit that can be accessed. Sounds a bit better, thanks. That uh, through the meditation, keeping our gaze upon Him. And we taught you last week. We taught you this morning. I'm, gonna get, I'm getting in it tonight. And with these teachings, I have to flow in the Spirit. I have to, uh, I have to, um, it is not a, this is just a teaching. It's, this is prophetic teachings. Is it okay? It'll sound to those who doesn't understand our anointing, the presence of God, who doesn't understand how the DNA of this church operates. They will scream heretics and it is okay. They can make YouTube sound bites and all this stuff. But we understand what we are doing. How many of you felt the presence of God when we were worshiping? It is because we teach the church how to press in, how to keep your focus upon Him. When I, I do it no different at home, but I'll say I'll get into how meditation or, you know, because some people think you sit like a lotus, like Eastern meditation. So when I say the word meditation, that's not what I mean. But yet it has a, it has a, um, it's an image of it, if I can say it like that. Because you, meditation is the art of contemplation and the art of confession. So meditation is confessing the Word, but there is also a contemplation, a prayer of contemplation, where you become silent and you become still. And things around you can begin to settle down. Your mind is not distracted by things. And the voice of God, you see, when Samuel was raised up as a prophet, he was five years old, and he was in the temple under Eli. And the Bible says, as he went to lay down, the voice of the Lord came to him. It is a form of stillness and quietness that the voice of the Lord came to him when there was no distractions. Are you guys with me? So, there is a place that we can get into with God. It is the secret place, like some would term it. Goshen, like we would also term it this year. It is, it is, I said and I said how prophets prophesy. And I was sharing in Kruger's Dorp this morning, it wasn't online. I said, we don't need, we don't need pastors to teach the church on prophecy when they've never experienced those realms. Because they will do false teachings. 
Are you guys with me? We cannot have the evangelists teaching the church on prophecy or prophets. We cannot even have teachers teaching the church. They can teach in a theological way, but they will fail at the expense of practice and experience. They will fail when it comes to how to do it. But when you would hear a prophet beginning to teach or preach on it, those who have never done it, it seems strange because when the disciples was in the boat and they saw Jesus walking on the water, on the sea, it first said they thought He was a ghost and they screamed, it is a ghost. Every time when people are in a storm or when they look into the unknown, it will look like witchcraft. Are you guys with me? So when it comes to experiences of the prophetic or how we hear from God, because it is different. You see, when it comes to prophecy, you can have the Holy Spirit speaking to you about the person in front of you. Then there's other ways where the Bible says that uh, the Spirit of the Lord knows all things about the Lord, but the Spirit of man knows all things about man. I'm not going to get into that. Those things we teach in our partners and prophetic schools and so on. And then there's another way where angels also minister to you. Now, when the angels minister to you, it's different than the Holy Spirit ministering to you. Now, let me say that. If I say that to a pastor of a, that's just a pastoral gift, they will begin to scream and call and say that we're doing angel worship. So I've had people that comes to us and say, young people that came to us and say, oh, they want to prophesy like us and how do we get this and how do we get names? Or, and I said, what church are you? And they gave me the church name. I said, you'll never do that as long as you are under that church. So they looked at me all scared, but I'm in their prophetic school. I said, what prophetic school? I said, the, it's, there's no prophets there. And uh, so you will never do it. It's not there. If the root is holy, the whole branch will be holy. The oil comes from the top. Are you guys with me? And when God feels that it is ready, then there's importation that takes place. You see, sometimes a spiritual father is not there to import gifts, but is there to shape your character. So the gift that you have can flourish. The, Jesus never did one miracle and His ministry didn't take off until He received affirmation from His Father. The moment He received affirmation from His Father, His ministry exploded. And the thing is, a lot of people are looking for affirmation, affirmation, and they don't have the identity, what is needed for God to use them because they continually see themselves as rejected or they cannot or they see themselves as a failure. Maybe some had authority figures or spiritual fathers or pastors over them that continually just put condemnation on them. That we don't do here. We preach the Word in revelation and let the Holy Spirit work and those who respond positively who respond with a, who, who responds with a, um, how can I say it, with a, with a, uh, who responds with a um, commitment and loyalty, understanding the principles 
of honor and serving and importation, then they are the ones that God will eventually begin to take up. And it is usually the ones that people don't expect. Are you guys with me? So what we endeavor to do here at Encounter is um, we can preach and so on, but preach hypes up. Teaching, prophetic teaching especially, imparts. So prophetic teaching imparts. Preaching hypes up. Preaching is good because it hypes up and it gets people excited. But um, the gift that the Lord has placed upon us is more in a teaching revelatory way. And you'll see the spirits of people respond. Because then there's importation. Are you guys with me? So, where was I now? So say with me, identity. So people don't know their identity. We see Jesus only the moment He got affirmed by His Father. His ministry took off. Um, he just needed somebody to cover and to say, they, if I can say it, if I can normalize or humanize the words, which not at all we can do it, but to believe in Him. Basically, the words you heard is, His uh, heavenly Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Another place he said again, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, hear him. Matthew 17 verse 3. Um, and a lot of people don't know their identity because God can only use you as far as what you believe he says and he speaks about and he thinks about you. When you fail to believe what he thinks about you, you begin to create another God that is not the way that God thinks about you. Because maybe somebody puts condemnation and the law upon you. And all they did was just the law and condemnation. Or you come out of churches where they speak against prophets or the prophetic or the flow of how we do things here. And unless that mindset is changed and shifted by the Word, by revelation, we, can, we always will look at ourselves like Joshua and Caleb and the 10 other spies. The 10 other spies said, we are, saw ourselves as grasshoppers in their sight. They were giants in our sight. Their identity and their value was too low for God to give them the promise. And the promise passed them by. So is it possible for people to miss the destiny and the promise on their lives? Yeah. Because their identity is not right. They don't believe God can use them. You know, I said this morning in Krugersdorp, clothing is so important. Just listen to me on this one. Put me in the scripture, I think it's Isaiah 61, somewhere where it says, or somewhere there, where it says that uh, for the spirit of heaviness, He keeps on the garment of praise. I want to show you something. Just Google it, somebody in the back. And they'll put it up now. I want you to say, but anyway, let me quote it so long while they're looking. 61 verse 3. 
to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Listen to this. Sabbathy clothing. Listen to this. Clothing is very important when it comes to a believer. I'm not saying what type of clothing. Please understand the spirit under what I'm saying this. The garment, say with me, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So he says, I'm going to give and change your clothing. I'm speaking spiritually. To set a mood. Are you guys with me? That means the way you dress physically can determine your mood. If you dress in a suit, you're ready to go do business. Are you guys with me? You don't go to a business transaction with your pajamas on. The mood will be wrong. Is it any other, there's no other difference when it comes to the kingdom of God. When they looked at Joseph, his brothers, they said, why are you, yeah, look at it, the dreamer is coming. Why? Because he was wearing his father's coat. A multicolored dream coat, an expensive one that was set apart for kings. And because he had that clothing on, he had the ability to dream. Listen to me. I don't know if you guys are with me. When the, dem when the demoniac got delivered, the Bible says that he was, he was uh, dressed in his right mind. So clothing has the ability to set a mood and an atmosphere around you for what the enemy expects, what God will give, and how you will enter in meaning are you ready to enter into the promise that God has for you have you have your seats are you guys with me and the Lord said this to me this week he said Leon white people in this nation has a spirit of poverty on them they have a curse of poverty listen to me and they are blinded to see it because pride blinds them because what they think is pride is not. And what they think is humility is not. So there is a false humility. Yet God is not attracted to it at all. God is attracted to boldness. The anointing is, and, and the thing is, You see, I get attacked by white ministers because sometimes of the way we talk or the way we walk and the only thing that can come out of their mouths is that Leon is arrogant. No, you're seeing with wrong filters. And the Lord said to me, there's a curse of poverty on white people. Listen to me. Because they cannot celebrate the blessings of another person. So they think they're going up, yet they're going down financially. And this thing needs to be fixed. Many of you are struggling in your hearts now listening to me on this. And unless we preach financial deliverance, what I mean by that, we preach revelation that has the ability to set free, break the bonds of poverty, 
bringing a revelation about your identity to make you know but wait no 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 I am clothed I am in the image in the likeness in the function of a royalty of God of the divinity where I walk he walks where I talk he talks mm. are you guys with me have you have your seats if you're battling with this this is why you're battling to break through because I can see some minds are spinning. But why doesn't he just preach hallelujah messages? Why doesn't he just preach, you know, the anointing? That is why you've been, you know, why don't he just preach breakthrough or that Jesus loves us? And the church has preached, like I got, a, I, I said to Kruger's Dorp this, this, um, this uh, 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 morning, I said that, I think it was about a year ago or so, I received a, this voice note from a very big pastor. And I'm still supposed to meet him. Uh, you know, but just, the guy was just cunning us. And I, when I say the guy, I mean it in respect, but uh, just attacking us from me from, he sent it to one of my church members and the church members obviously sent it to me. This man has like 15,000 people in his church. And, uh, and why he's talking is obviously hyperventilating. And uh, because the conviction of God now comes knowing you're out of line now. But really just going off at us about money. Leon is so arrogant. We all try to get hold of him and he just puts us onto his secretary. And the, I'm like, you have never gotten tried to gotten hold of me. You have my phone number. And then they said, we're going to steal money and we're going to off, be off going to Dubai with uh, so many millions, I don't know what, what, what. There's no, and then he said this, there is no scriptural backing for a pastor to preach on finances. It is not a pastor's job to preach on finances, he said. It is the job of somebody from outside in the world or a businessman to come into the church and to teach the church on finances. So I said, hold on. So I responded back. With a whole lot of other accusations. How can I have partners? There's no such thing as partners in the Bible. Blah, 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 blah. So I just answered back. I said, sir, listen, with all due respect, I said, I'm going to answer you in the same manner that you messaged me through a member. So I'm sending you the message through, back through a member. I said, it is absolutely the church's job. I said, the church is in such a mess. Maybe you don't have the qualification. Because I've seen what you have. Maybe you don't have the qualification to minister on finances but I know what God has done in our life I know what we didn't have and what we do have and it was all by the grace of God and because somebody put right theology into my mind right doctrine into my mind that the church is not supposed to be poor it is God's will for you and I to prosper financially. And if you cannot praise God on this, you need deliverance and financial deliverance. Trust me. And we think there's some type of holiness. Have you seen? We think that it's some type of holiness if we are humble about this. Fake humble. And we think it is wrong for us to rejoice now and jump up. Why? The Bible says no one listens, even though a poor man has all the words to save a city. 
no one listens to him. And a rich man can have wisdom or can have wrong things and everybody will listen to him. But a poor man can have all the wisdom to save a city and they will not listen. There's something about finances where God looks at it even as a approval. Or let me not say it like this. Or let me say as a qualification measure. Because the Bible says that if you can be entrusted, if you're faithful with heavenly riches, uh, sorry, with earthly riches, you'll be entrusted with heavenly riches. So God looks at how we handle earthly riches as a measuring stick to determine how we will be blessed with the anointing and with spiritual blessings. I think it is absolutely an insulting towards God for people to say, my God blesses me. I am, it's great in the beginning and as we are growing, but after 40 years, we don't even have clothes to wear. And I understand there are poverty in certain regions. I understand that there can be cases where people have nothing. I, under, I understand that. But I think it is an insulting to say that God is a God that will be blesses and all this stuff, but then we come against prosperity or we begin to curse anybody that is being blessed more than us. The Bible says, meditate on this in the book of Timothy, that your profiting may appear to all. Meditate on this, God is saying, that I can, that I can make your profiting where you're prospering and make it manifest and appear to everyone. Don't hide it under something. Don't hide it under, uh, don't put it away and don't let people see. No, 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 no. I'm not saying show off, but God will put you into a place where He will manifest your profiting just so that He can receive the glory. Are you guys with me? And we will preach this until people catch the blessing and know how to pull it from the realm of the dimension of the Spirit into the natural. And maybe I'll get into that next week Sunday, sometime. How to pull it and bring it from the Spirit into the natural. So in order to break this thing, we need to deal with the spirit of luck that comes from a root of fake humility, competition, greed, jealousy, where we don't want to see anybody else prospering either. And we have this no ambitious lifestyle. We're just kind of like happy with what we have. And we have a false doctrine of theology in our head to say that Maybe this is, you know, that's what they have is just not for me. It's a wrong doctrine. Your life will be manifested and will be a direct reflection on the doctrine you have. Your life will be a direct reflection on the theology that you have. Are you guys with me?
So the way I dress, the way I, the way I dress, the way I handle my finances, the way I think about my finances is the way that my theology is. And I can immediately see what church, what person is in. I've never been in the house of a rich person where I've judged them. I always wish, man, I also want to have this. <laughs> not in a, I, I, not in, I sat in the house of billionaires. I'm like, huh, why them and not me? But never with a thought of bringing them down. Because it is the very thing that will stop your blessing when you cannot celebrate somebody else's blessing. I would rather want to sit with a person like that and say to me, how do you make this money? Because if you got there and you know there's something you, you know, and we think it's just prayer and fasting. No, knowledge is a key. I'm going to say something. Knowledge, knowledge doesn't, listen, let me just say something. Have your, have your seats. Knowledge does not come through prayer. Knowledge does not come through fasting. Put in the scripture for me where Jesus said, where his disciples, where they asked his disciples, Google it for me quickly, find it, where they asked him, why does his disciples not fast? Google me that scripture. I want you to listen to this and I want you to catch this revelation. Hey? Put on Matthew 9 14. Listen to this. Are you guys with me? Before we go to this, go for me to the verse where it speaks about the key of knowledge, that they kept the key of knowledge from them and that they have not entered, they have not allowed them to enter, neither have they allowed others to enter, they enter themselves. The key of knowledge. Let's go to that one. I want you to catch this. <clears throat> we'll find it now. What is it? Luke 11, verse 52. Luke 11, verse 52. We preached on this. Understand. Woe to you, lawyers. For you have taken, uh, woe to you lawyers means experts in the law, Pharisees and Sadducees. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Can somebody take prayer from you? Can somebody take fasting from you? No. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourself. And those who are entering in you hindered, you stopped them. So they say key of knowledge. Go back to Matthew 9, 14. Listen to this. So remember I said to you, the key, knowledge is not received by prayer. Knowledge is not received by fasting. You can be in your prayer room for years like a monk. You will not receive knowledge. I know it sounds not nice. Then the disciples of John came to him. I need you to catch this. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But you, but your disciples do not fast. 
And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. Hold on. He says, You, John's disciples and the Pharisees, and they are fasting. But my disciples don't have to fast. Because what they are fasting for, my disciples have right next to them in association. So there are things that you can only catch by being with somebody. And knowledge is given to you which somebody else will fast and pray for years. That person can tell you in a five minute sentence, the knowledge on how to do something. I don't know if you guys are catching it. Just on how to fix it, how to do it. So I'll rather sit with somebody and say, but how did you get there? How did you get this right? And knowledge can be given to me. The others think it's just, the Lord will tell me, you know, this nonsense on Facebook. I don't need a, you know, Jesus, we only need the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay, then go see if, I don't even get upset, you know, we we don't need prophets. Okay, then don't do, then carry on with your life. Sure, God will bless you. There are secrets and things and mysteries that is only passed on from person to person, not from God to person. As a rule, there's the exception that is very rare. You know, people can look at us, foolish people can look and say, I see how they work that miracle. I'm just going to pray and fast. Wise people are measured. by the wise people are measured by the uh, by the level of questions they ask. A person's intelligence, an intelligent person is marked by the type of questions they ask. A foolish person is marked by, I want to find out, Jesus can also give me this. Why hasn't he? A person that works in miracles can just tell you, well, first of all, a miracle can be explained as not God. Let's go to prophecy. Or even when it comes to healing or so, we can just tell you this is how we do it. Do you think that it just happens by, there are times that it just happens by chance. But listen, when Jesus healed in the New Testament, they came, the Pharisees said, we have never seen it done in this fashion. So there was a fashion that Jesus healed. And there was a fashion that they were doing healings. They were doing healings before that. They were casting out devils before Jesus came. Are you guys with me? Trust me. Didn't get it right but they were manifesting. But when Jesus came, He did it differently. 
And all it would take is His disciples being with Him and being able to do what He does. Well, John's disciples need to fast and pray. So it's good to fast. There are things that we need to fast for and pray for. But when it comes to mysteries, when it comes to certain things, there are things that can only be caught with association. There are things that can only be imported by somebody teaching you and saying, this is how I do it. This is because every spiritual intervention or every spiritual operation has a physical, a natural technique. So there are operations of the Spirit, the Bible says. There are administrations of the Spirit. So what does meditation do now for you? The lost art of meditation. What does meditation do? Meditation puts you in an alignment to, yes, receive revelation from God. But it puts you in alignment where you can get into association with things, with your destiny, with people, what we call destiny helpers with people that can open up. It puts you into a place where you can be raised up because it fine-tunes your spirit right. It fine-tunes your spirit to hear from God. Prophets are usually given a key of knowledge and the key of prosperity, meaning that the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, and the gift of prophecy is given to prophets. Anybody that operates in the office of a prophet will move in those three gifts almost on a permanent level. On the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, and the gift of prophecy. They'll be able to activate it because when a person prophesies, knowledge is two types of things. A lot of people think the word of knowledge is just something that happened in the past to a degree. But knowledge is also tapping into a... I want to use the word and not use the word in esoterical realm, but we rather use the explanation to say it's tapping into hidden knowledge that is only given to some. It's a gift of knowledge. And then the gift of prophecy is the ability to foretell. Or word of knowledge, sorry, just for those who attack us. Not gift of knowledge, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and the gift of prophecy. So we think a word of knowledge is if I say to somebody, this is what happened yesterday, to a degree. But that's not really what it means. Nowhere in Scripture does it explain really what word of knowledge is. We just got it from a man called Kenneth Hagen, who gave a commentary on it. And it's fine. During his time it was right, but it wasn't. And people based their theology on one man's commentary. The gift of knowledge is tapping into a hidden realm of knowledge called epignosis. And I can get a bit deep on that, which I can't on a public platform. Uh, that'll be more for our private platforms. But um, say with me, meditation. And the attendance is great. I just hope it keeps up for the next year, in the middle of the year also, like this. I want, to, I want to get into, into, into this thing of meditation. Um, so you went this morning, you followed the message, you were here last week, you followed it. There's something about meditation 
that fine-tunes your spirit to hear from God more accurately, more easily, and for the Holy Spirit to work through you more easily. Because meditation works on a frequency. You see, when God created the earth, there was sound, which was His voice that says, let there be light, which is sound is frequency. There was light when He said, let there be light. So we have sound, we have free, which is frequency. We have light. We have matter. Let there be, for God created the heavens in the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. Heavens, atmosphere, earth, matter. So we see space, sound, matter, light. But then there's another aspect that we are kind of like forgetting and it's the energy of God. It is the ability of His words that would go forth and create. And then the Holy Ghost resting on the waters, imagining. So with me, imagining. Which means the Holy Spirit was on the waters, hovered over the deep. Genesis 1 verse 3, hovered over the deep. The word hovered means to flutter with constant imagination. Say with me, constant imagination. Until a, prov until a positive outcome. So the Holy Ghost, when He brooded over the waters, another King James Version will say, when He brooded over the waters, hovered, He was in constant imagination of the creation that was going to come forth. Meaning you were part of God's imagination. Constant imagination. Until there was a positive outcome. So God's imagination created His words, which created the light. But now listen, have you seen? So imagination can, there are people who have a constant negative imagination. They will sit in their houses and literally think, if I, I'm, I'm going to lose my house this month or my rental, I'm going to, you know, and, and then they're beginning to think, what are they going to do when they lose that? How are they going to then prepare? And then after that, they're thinking on how to then prepare for that. And they're imagining a negative outcome. They're imagining it in their mind, which is the reality of God. And in this series, it doesn't end by month end. It will carry on until we finish with it. We're going to touch on the power of imagination. I haven't touched on that yet. We're now busy with meditation. But there's the power of imagination that God has given you, the power of Yetzer. That your imagination is more real than this life here. It is the creative force and the creative ability that God has given mankind. You are not here where you are today without your imagination. You are living what you imagined. And if you're not living what you imagined, it's time to begin to shift and change things. Are you guys with me? Your imagination has to be pulled from the realm of the Spirit into the natural. The Bible says 
in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 18, that the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So there is a way to bring that into the natural, so with meditation. It is the transportation system of bringing the imagination that God has given you according to His will and His purpose. Are, are you guys with me? Unbelievers get it right without His will and His purpose. Believers don't even get it right with His will and His purpose. What do I mean it by that? Unbelievers sit and imagine and meditate and they become millionaires. They have their vision boards up. I'm not speaking of vision boards. I'm speaking of having the Word of God that you know is for you. So much so that when Jacob was given cattle by Laban and he said you will be paid his wages according to whichever cattle is going to be birthed. They were spotted, they were speckled. And, and uh, you know, and uh, if he gives, if they give birth of this certain kind of cattle, then he will get paid. And Laban tricked him. But Jacob was a man of meditation. He understand the law and the science behind the meditation. He understood the science behind imagination. And he said, I'm going to make these animals imagine. Because his grandfather, Abram, was a meditator. Meditating at the tent door and looking at God walking in. With a posture of meditation. Isaac, same. And they became so wealthy that the kings wanted to put them out. Abram, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob knew what meditation is. And he said, I'm going to take the cattle and where they drink water, where they mate, where they have intimacy with one another. And they are refreshing themselves, meaning the place of prayer. I'm going to put a stick in the water and put stripes on it. That when they look at that stick, they'll give birth. They'll take something from the spiritual and manifest it into the natural. Simply by the ability to see it. And I told you this morning that Isaac was meditating in the field at night. And he lifted his eyes. He opened his spiritual eyes. And the camels of prosperity came to him. His transportation system of prosperity came to him. He, so meditation opens up your spiritual eyes. So Jacob said, no, 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 I'm going to let these animals look and they will give birth. He created something by using the power of sight and meditation and imagination. If an animal can do it, if unbelievers can do it, how much when you have the words in you, God has spoken His promise and said, you will be a millionaire or you will be this evangelist, or you will be in ministry, you will be this prophet. And we fail to meditate and pray on that. It is our duty, have you seen To bring the Word of God to fruition. It is not the prophet's responsibility to 
make sure a prophecy comes to pass on somebody. After I prophesy, my job is done. Whether that person receives it and enters into it is their prerogative. That's their responsibility. It's now their duty to make that word come to pass. Are you guys with me? Is this, is this too much or not? Do you know when we preach like this, how much attacks we get? It's because people are too weak. Spiritually brainwashed by religion and false doctrine and false theology to receive things like identity. To, that is why it is important that you know your value. Because the Bible says He's God who sees in the secret will shout it from the rooftops outside. So when He looks at your secret in your heart, what is the secret? Let's take, there are different connotations and there are different, or there are different interpretations of the secret place. It also speaks of what God sees inside of you. Do you really believe? Do you really believe, really believe your royalty? Do you really believe it? Do you really believe you're a son and a daughter of God? Do you really believe you are a millionaire? Do you really believe you must have houses, cars, employees, servants, whatever? Do you really believe it in you? And what God sees that once you have caught it faith, He makes it come to pass on the outside. Listen to me. These things work. When somebody continually looks down upon themselves on the inside, others begin to see them like that. Have your seats. As we preach like this, people attack us ferociously. And you know, I made a do I don't read stuff anymore. Like I said on Facebook, I don't have a Facebook. We got a public page. So my public page only follows maybe like 40 people or so. So I don't see anybody's comments, luckily, unless if somebody sends it to me or something like that. But I realize that it is poisoning my spirit. They call Jesus a false prophet. They call Jesus a madman. They called him a fraud. They called him out of his mind. And he said, you will be persecuted even more. When you don't have anybody speaking against you, I'll be worried with why. Why is nobody, why is there not a noise? Why are you not creating a noise? And let me tell you what they hate. And there is a, there's quite a lot of people in news channels and so on that picks up and they try to push the stuff out. But, you know, I told our church not to respond. Because people were responding crazy. And I said, don't, don't respond. Because what we do is we're just giving them attention. Making them feel like they actually have some, you know. Uh, no, you know, don't, don't respond until such a time where we say respond, and, uh, but not now. Um, but uh, don't respond, you will see a lot of stuff, don't respond. But you know what they hate? Is that you keep on growing, that the church keeps on growing. Because every year these prophecies going out over my name, I will be destroyed, we will fail, the church will crash. Three years ago there was all prayer network, prayer chain out against us. And this old man was sitting in front of his computer screen about three years ago. And he began to call fire down and he had these prayer chains and stuff and he's sending messages to people for uh, 
bringing us down. He was somewhere in Boxburg or the East Rand or somewhere. Please. I wonder if he's alive still. Are you guys with me? So those who failed attacking us, I know they're secretly behind the scenes trying to plan still our downfall. But if God's hand is here, it, it, it doesn't bother me too much. So meditation, say with him, meditation. Not medication, meditation. And uh, with this, I can go very deep, but I can only do it on a prophetic uh, retreat. I can. We have a prophetic retreat coming up, I think in August or something like that, um, that we're going to be doing a bit different. If you were at our other prophetic retreats, porter retreats or so, whatever we call them, you would see about 2 o'clock, 3 a.m., 2 or 3 a.m. in the mornings, when we were there, we would prophesy more accurately. One person, you said you were buried under the ground in a box. This happened to you. Person says, yes, I was put into a fridge underground. Another person, we said, this family member, this brother of yours, brother of yours was killed, hit on the head here. Drawing out, lying on a bed here, this is how it happened. This is the address. But it was at a certain time at night. Because, and I would say that I'm so tired. I'm like, I'm standing because we're preaching from the morning, seven, till the next morning, seven. Prophecy, and then getting into it through night. Uh, we prophesied Tonya's husband's name before she knew him. And uh, 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 so, but I remember being so tired. I said, I feel like I'm going to fall asleep. But it is at that place where the voice of God is activated. It's at that alpha, theta, brain, uh, sleep cycle, brain wave of a person. It's the state of, of, of daydreaming, alpha. And prophets will usually be in that state of mind. That is why they, it would feel like they don't greet you because they are not. That is why it is very difficult for prophets in marriages in marriage if they are married to a wrong person because the energy levels are different. The wife wants to hug when the prophet just feels like he needs to be with God. And I won't mention the name. I know of a great man of God that uh, whose wife divorced him. And you won't even know it because he has such grace on him. And, uh, but what happened was, because he had a man calling he married a wrong person. You can marry a wrong person, destroy your whole calling. And he's, you know, and this person, if you know who it is or know this, this person, they would sit and let, let's say, they would just, their mind would just be continually on, on the church. And I'm not saying that is right. I'm just saying that is the mantle and the grace that God has given this person that was the calling that is required. And they're still going on uh, right now as a spearhead in the body of Christ. And, uh, and not married, single, but very big. And uh, one of the stories what happened was that he's, um, this person is just fixated on the Spirit and God is speaking to them or they're just thinking about the church. 
And the wife is saying, how do I look? And he's like, you look good. And he carries on with, it, with thinking about the church or whatever. He's like, oh, but why are you saying it like this? Why are you? And uh, it's like, I'm busy. I just said you look good. But there was a clash of energy. The one was energized by God for spiritual things. And the other one was energized by God for fleshly things. Now there is a place for that. But if both can be in the same rhythm. But if you are off in rhythm, guess what? The one wants to go to church, the other one doesn't. The one is getting too committed, the other one is complaining. Complaining, complaining. Because there are energy and grace levels that are different. Can it be changed? Yes, it can be changed. But the one that isn't in the place need to recognize it. Because there's an energy of the law of sin and death. And there's an energy of the law of the spirit and life. Both are working opposite towards one another. The one is pulled towards the flesh. The other one is pulled towards the spirit. And it depends how God energizes one. And that energizing comes from meditation. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings like wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Are you guys with me? Their spirits will be quickened in the place of waiting. In the place of meditation, your spirit will be quickened by the Holy Ghost, by energy from heaven. Not energy from a new age. No, energy from heaven. You are not an energy. Have your seats. Let me just explain this. This is the difference when it comes to new age. New age will say demons are energy. Angels are energy. No, angels are light. Demons are entities, living entities. You are a spirit, not energy. But there is the energy of God. And then there is an energy, an energy of the world. The law of sin and death and the law of the spirit and life that works towards one another. Are you guys with me? So when we mention energy, we are not endorsing new age. We're speaking it in a biblical point of view, where the Bible says that dunamis power in you can, is dormant unless it's energized. How does it get energized? Through prayer. But that prayer, you cannot even pray unless God draws you to pray. So how do you get to a place where God draws you to prayer? Say with me, meditation. Say waiting. It's the waiting on God to be still and know that He is God. In the stillness. Are you guys with me? So, so I haven't even started this one, but it's fine. I'm just throwing out the points. We'll finish now and then we're going to pray for you. But say with me, meditation is a transport system. When Isaac meditated in the field, in the evening, he lifted his eyes and he saw the camels coming. And number one, prosperity. Number two, camels is the etymology. If you look at the Hebrew constructs on, it's the pictorial image of uh, gemel. The word gemel is the pictorial image of camel. Uh, and we see how it is 
Camels are there for prosperity, but it is also there as a transportation system. So meditation is the very transportation system that will take you somewhere or bring something to you. In this case, it was bringing, I think, Rachel. You saw Rachel. Rachel bringing to him. Sorry? Rebecca. Sorry, sorry, Rebecca. Was it Rebecca? Huh? Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I confused now with Jacob. Yeah, 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 you're right. I'm like... I'm like, I'm doubting my whole... You're right, Rebecca. Sorry, 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 sorry. Rebecca too. So, you know the word meditate. We said this morning, it means to imagine. It means to ponder. It means to mutter. It means to roar. And it means to plot. So, when you have the ability to get faith in your heart and then to mutter and to speak it. You imagine it, you plot, you ponder, you ponder, and then faith is being built up and you have the ability to mutter, to roar, to speak the words. It creates a transportation system for you. The reason why many are broke and not doing well in a financial status is because they fail to hagar, to meditate. You see, when, why is meditation so important? And I'm speaking on the biblical, so I don't want any YouTube video to be taken out of context. And any theologian, you need to meditate a bit. You need to relax. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not speaking of the lotus. You know, I, everybody understands what I'm saying. Having the ability to sit where you are in such a motion of prayer and your gaze and your focus is upon the Lord. As the Jewish rabbis would quote and mutter scriptures, the Torah, over and over and over and over. You have the Word. You've taken Scripture, rightly dividing the Word of truth. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So you take Scripture upon Scripture that is, that is, that is, um, that is uh, interpreting one another. And you have that and you mutter it over and over until it becomes a part of you. Then when you go out, you go out with a level of where you have the ability to roar in the spirits. Hagar. Are you guys with me? So meditation will bring, say with me, prosperity and good success. You know this. Let's go to, again to Joshua 1 verse 8. Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, you shall continually mutter it, speak it, or roar it. But you shall meditate in it. Say with me, in it. So you'll be in the Word, in it the day and night, that you may observe. Say with me, observe. observe. The word observe means to see. So you will meditate so that you can see. What did Isaac do in the field? He meditated and then he lifted up his eyes. He saw a vision. Abraham sat by the tent door. So let me show you. John, come and stand here. Abraham stood by the tent door. Yeah, I'm Abraham. The Bible says, go with you there. Where was it? Genesis 18 verse 1 or something? Hmm? I think it's Genesis. Let's try 18 verse 1. Let's see. Listen to this. I want you to see this wording. Yes. Letting the Lord appear to him by the terebinth tree of Mamre. 
as he was sitting in the tent door, he was sitting in a posture of meditation, in the tent door, in the heat of the day. Now listen to this next verse. So he lifted his eyes. So in the posture of meditation, he was opening his spiritual eyes. Are you guys with me? Now listen to the wording. And behold, three men were standing by him. You're the three men now, okay? If somebody stands by you, they are standing next to you. So what happened? Abraham was sitting in a posture of meditation, praying. Because if you study the Jewish rabbis, you can also study the historical uh, 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 research that they have on what your patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, what they would do during this time because they had such a close relationship with God. Same with Enoch. Many of them were living very isolated lives where they were so connected with God, where the Lord said that Abraham is my friend. Shall I do anything without him knowing? Without running it past Abraham. That's why God didn't even touch Sodom and Gomorrah without informing Abraham first. He was God's friend. There are some sitting here, you need an energizing from heaven. I see some, it is like, it looks like the demons are weighing you so down. All you need is a quickening of the Holy Ghost. But it starts inside here. And it starts here where you be, because a lot of people are waiting for God to do something. Well, God is waiting for you. The prodigal, the father of the prodigal son did not run off to the prodigal son. The prodigal son had to run back to him. And many people, they come to churches and they wait for God to have an encounter with them. You already had an encounter with him. Come back now fully. Change your garments. Change your countenance. Apply what we are saying. If you do what I'm saying tonight, and I'll show you practically how to do it, I give you a few days you'll be quickened by the Holy Ghost. Depression will be lifted off of you. What I'm speaking to you is mysteries, what many prophets and men of God do. They just don't share it. They share it in an inner circle. Are you guys with me? So listen to this. It says he opened his spiritual eyes. Whenever the scripture says he lifted his eyes, it means that his eyes of the spirit opened. And he beholds, there were men standing with him here. And when he saw them, when he had this vision, well, no, it, it, let me explain this to you. When his spiritual eyes opened, they were standing by him. And then he ran from the tent door to meet them. Now hold on. If they're standing by you, why do you need to run to them? Because when his eyes opened, it was his spiritual eyes. And he first saw a vision of them right by him. And when he came into the natural, they were afar off again. And they were coming because he saw the vision beforehand and he had to run to them. Meditation will give you sight to see something before it comes to you. Hey, meditation caused Isaac to see the camels coming. Meditation will give you spiritual sight. You can have your seat. So in Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, Meditate in this law, the book, day and night. Mm. 
so that you may observe, so that you might see with a vision to do according to all that is written in it. So say with a meditation, say sight, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. There is a formula to this thing. Say with me, meditate. Imagine. Say with me, imagine, which is see. So let's go like this. Let's say see. Let's say ponder. Let's say speak. So what do you do? You, you, you meditate until you see the vision, until your eyes are opened. And with our prophetic retreat, I will explain what the opening of eyes are. But unfortunately, I can't do it here. We have touched on it a little bit in our prophetic retreat. But we only touched on it. Um, we have to see really who is dedicated. Because by the second one, you know no spy is going to pay again and to be there again through how long. And if they did, at least we got the money out for it if they want to go and do something. <laughs> Same with the dream interpretation. We'll be sharing some stuff in the next three nights. It is going to be amazing. It's the last one we're going to do. It's going to be amazing. And uh, so you see, you meditate until, you, until your eyes open. When your eyes open, you see it, then you ponder, you plot, you gaze, you look deeply. And then you speak what you see over and over from a muttering to a roaring until it comes from the spiritual into the natural. Your mouth is the organ that brings something from the spiritual to the natural. Your mouth is the word, Hebrew word, what is it? Stoma. Stoma, which means a little sword, a dagger, which is a double-edged sword. But the word stoma of your mouth is the same Hebraic letter as ladder, where they were, which was the Bible uses where Jacob saw a ladder from earth to heaven, from heaven to earth, a stairway, a ladder, and angels going up and down on the ladder, which means your mouth is a transportation system. Gemal, the word gemal is connected to your mouth also. It's a transportation system that causes heaven and earth to connect. It's the organ that God has given, your mouth and your stomach. The body has 10 gateways. Even if you have children, there are 10 gateways in the body. Some of them are mentioned, which is eyes, eye gate, ear gate, nose gate, mouth gate. These are places that enters that has the ability to go from the natural to the spiritual and from the spiritual to the natural. Are you guys with me? The navel gates, sexual parts gates. Um, then there's some extra gates. One of them is the head gate. Once somebody lays hands on you. And some other things that I can't really say too much. But that is how you interact with the realm of the spirit. So when we break up 
the natural man in spirit, soul, and body into the, what we call the tripartite man. The spirit has intuition, uh, conscience, and fellowship, three parts. The soul has will, intellect, and emotions, and the body has ten gates. And those are the ways that you interact with us. But anyway, so these are things that a lot of people don't understand spiritual realities. Um, so, 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 so with him, meditation brings prosperity and good success. And we saw it right now, meaning Joshua, in Joshua 1, it says, meditate in this, the, day, the Lord day and night, observe all things to do according as it says, then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. You cannot have good success without being prosperous. Nobody will listen to you unless you are prosperous. The church has tried to change the world by being poor. You know, imagine we are now busy saving and we investing and so on and it'll take a few years unless somebody catches a revelation. But it'll be a few years and, 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 and we are saving very well. I believe that our church has been very, very faithful towards finances, really faithful. We have what churches after 20, 30 years don't have. Because once we're going to move, it's going to be a proper big move, whether buying or building, um, uh, uh, whichever way the country is going. But um, we are doing well. And, uh, 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 and with that, we also try to do things with excellence. You know, we don't have Chinatown lights up here. We have two mil over two million rands of lights up here. Um, uh, you know, the guys must just learn to take photos, but we have, we have, uh, we had a good sound system, but uh, um, we try to do things with excellence. And with that, we have no debt. Uh, no debt. We own a lot of things with the church. And, um, you know, with this church, we planted out Krugersdorp. With this church, we planted out Cape Town. Cape Town, within one year, is almost where we are at. It is, um, that is the double portion, how it works. And there will be more that will be sent out by the Spirit of God. It's by the Spirit. It's by an automatic unction that comes upon a person. Automatic unction. Everything that when we do in that way is automatic. I don't think about it. It's just, oh, we're here, we're doing it, and it's done. It's an automatic unction. But you cannot be successful without being prosperous. You cannot have a ministry without finances. You cannot enter your destiny without finances. Trust me, you can't. When we're young, we are ambitious. We think we can. But as you grow older, you realize, I really do need money in this world to have things. The preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes says that money answers all things. Are you guys with me? Money answers all things. Go 1 Timothy 4.15. 1 Timothy 4.15. And if those who are online, is this is blessing you. You are part of our online church and so on. I want you to share the broadcast. We are being very limited by Facebook. We have no idea why. Facebook limits everyone. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. Um, that they just full of nonsense. Um, meditate on these things. What things? 
Say with me, meditate on these things. On what things? Give yourself entirely to them. No man, put in the King James Version. Please, King James, if I'm not reading, at least if I say otherwise. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. He says, I want you to focus on this. I want to make you so prosperous that others can see your profits. Are you guys with me? Listen here, fear, the spirit of fear is the result of the lack of Hagar meditation. I'm going to say it again. People are dropping dead all over. Anxiety, there's a pandemic of anxiety coming upon people. A spirit of suffocation. A spirit of fear. And many of you might have felt like you are suffocating. It is because of a lack of Hagar, of meditation. Because there's too many distractions and fear comes in. There are too many things that are, you're focused on this, focused on this, subconsciously your mind is focused on this, focusing on the news outlet, yes, hearing this, saying that, and you are not meditated upon the Word of the Lord, and fear comes in. Fear will paralyze you, that you are unable to do anything for God. It will paralyze you. Are you guys with me? So, so listen here. Uh, Meditation, so the meditation will give you prophetic insights. Go to Kings 6 verse 8. And I know we're a little bit long tonight, that's fine. 2 Kings 6 verse 8. We haven't even taken up the offering yet. Then the king of Syria warned against Israel, saying, and took counsel with and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for there is the Syrians are going to come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once, nor twice, but more. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was so troubled. I'm just battling to see there. For this thing, he was so troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us in, uh, uh, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Meaning is there a spy in our midst? Move on. And one of his servants said, None, my lord. There's no spy around us. But Elisha, so the Elisha, but the prophets that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. You see, there's a prophet that has spiritual intelligence because he's a man of meditation and he understands the secrets of God, that he has the ability to hear what you're speaking in your bedchamber. But how, what is this that you're asked for traveling prophet? Shush! You don't know the operations of God. That is why prophets are only welcome with other prophets. Have your seats, have your seats. Because you can speak about an experience. And I made that mistake before I knew we were big online. 
we spoke about experiences and uh, I realized not everybody knows God. So meditation gave him the ability to have prophetic insights. With, when, even when Elisha's servant went to the king to ask him of money, he said, did my spirit not go with you when you ask the king of money? Was I not in a place of meditation where this natural limitations of this natural world has become lower? Because there's a fourth dimension, a fifth dimension, a sixth dimension, a seventh dimension that I'll still preach on later, much later. The fourth dimension immediately supersedes the laws of time, space and matter. God is spirit. Are you guys with me? And isn't it amazing when the angels came down to Sodom and Gomorrah to come and rescue Lot, the two angels that was with God by Abram. When they came to Sodom and Gomorrah to warn Lot, they were running away from natural men who tried to rape them and kill them. Why is angels restrained? Because they came and appeared into a third dimension with the limitations of a third dimension. Are you guys with me? So the meditation is the source of wisdom. Listen to this. Let's go to 1 Kings 4 verse 29. 1 Kings 4 verse 29. I want to read this to you quickly. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding. Say with me, Sophia and Phronesis. When we say Sophia, we are not speaking of the goddess of Sophia, whoever made that junk up. That made an article. I was praying for the Salidas the one night and they put that and they said, I'm importing the goddess of Sophia. Well, whatever. Okay. Um, then you mustn't come to our services because you'll get the goddess of Sophia. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the Sophia of God. He is, Jesus is the, the power and the wisdom of God. The dunamis and the Sophia. He is both the power and the wisdom. Paul says, I pray that you'll give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of Sophia and Apocalypsis. Are you guys with me? So God gave Solomon Sophia. I understand Sophia is Greek, but I'm speaking about the Septuagint here. He gave Solomon Sophia and Phronesis. Exceedingly much. Say with you, exceedingly much. And largeness of hearts even as the sand that is on the seashore. I want you to catch this. Listen, what was Solomon doing? He was giving an offering of over a thousand, he was giving over a thousand burnt offerings, which tells you this is a man who understood a relationship with God, meditation, prayer. He gave over a thousand burnt offerings. Let's go on, next verse. And after he gave the offerings, look what happened. And Solomon's wisdom, the Bible says that the Lord came to him in a dream directly after he gave the offering and said to him, ask of me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And he said, just give me discernment to judge your people wisely. And the Lord said, because you did not ask me of finances, I will make you the richest. I'll give you the greatest wisdom 
And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Israelites, and Heman and uh, Chalcol. I'm not going to get into these names tonight. And Dada, the sons of Michael, and his, and his fame was in all the nations round about. And he spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were a thousand and five. The man had so much wisdom. He wrote a thousand and five songs. He, he had so much wisdom, he knew everything about everything. And he began to say, now I'm going to study trees because I don't know what else to study. And he spoke of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop and the springeth out of the well. He knew every biological name, every meaning, every original name, where the trees came from. Just because his heart was so big, he spoke also of the beasts and of the fowl and of the creeping things and of the fishes. The man had wisdom that the king, that the queen of Sheba would come with 15 million US dollars as an est as a minimum. Come to him for counsel for 30 minutes of his time. Well, not 15 million, sorry, sorry, billions. She came with ships of gold and riches to have 30 minutes of his wisdom. And he sent her back with more than she came. Say with him, meditation. It will give you the ability to tap into untapped secrets. For example, Elijah knew the day that he, and the place where he was going to be taken. The sons of the prophets that said to Elijah, do you not know that your master is going to be taken from you? They knew it because in the school of the prophets, where they were at, where Elijah taught, they were taught meditation. And by that, they were given a spiritual perception to know even when the master prophet, which is Elijah, will be taken from them. Elijah didn't only know that he was going to be taken, but he knew the very place that he was going to be taken from. Imagine you know the place you're going to die. The time you're going to die. Are you guys with me? There's a lot of things I could get so deep, but for the sake of time, how do I, what is, how do I, what is a practicality of meditation? Everybody can be different. How do I spend time with God by meditating on Him? I get into a place where I'm alone and where there is no distractions. And then when I'm in that place, I have certain things I meditate on before I get into the Word or prayer or anything like that. And I'm not speaking of having a prayer meeting with God. I'm speaking about being in a place of serenity where there is absolute stillness. You can do this also where there's noise, but you need more training to quiet your spirit. So I would be in a place alone and I will just sit and gaze. And then I'll begin to ponder and think on what God has done for me. I'll think of every miracle. I'll think of encounters I had with Him. 
I'll think of where He has blessed us, where things were impossible, where He came through. And that begins to bring a gratefulness into my heart. Then I begin to, then, and let me sit here for as an example. Then I would, uh, and I would just, I would just relax my body and I would just ponder upon Him. I would think upon Him. And because His Word is in me, I think upon His Word. I think upon, I'll gaze upon that. Then I begin to think. After I think and I focus so deep upon what, and when I say I think and I meditate upon what He has done for me, I'm speaking about daydreaming. Then I'll move over to the promises that He's given me personally. I'm just giving you giving one way. Is that okay? That has worked for me for many years. Then I move over the promises, what He has promised me. But I daydream it. Mm. It goes, it's not falling asleep. But it goes to a place that if somebody would walk close to me, I wouldn't know they were there. Because I'm in a different state of mind. And my mind is fixated upon Him. Jesus is the center. The Holy Spirit is mixed in with it. If that is not it, it is witchcraft. And if I have a scripture and I would med- there's another way of meditating where I'll just sit in the Word and I'll read the Word and then I'll, 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 I'll repeat the scriptures. I'll mutter it after, after, but I'm speaking now of the art of, remember there's an art of contemplation and then there's an art of confession. Are you guys with me? Please remember that. So meditation has two parts. Contemplation, which is your silent, your stillness and confession, which is your speaking and your confessing. I'm speaking about the contemplation part. People like Madame Guyan did it. Brother Lawrence did it. Basilia Shing did it. And they would carry the presence of God in a manifested way around them. Catherine Kuhlman did it. She would just walk past people in the kitchen. They would fall under the power because they carried the presence. Why? They could host the presence because they aligned their spirit with God. And I can only share that more in the prophetic stuff that we're doing. But... So I would just sit like that and I would gaze upon Him. And then because I, know, I think of encounters and I think of what He has promised me, His presence would get so strong. It's as if I'm in that place of the promises that He's given me. Now you're beginning to encode from the imagination into the natural that I'll preach on next week. The encoding of, the, of, of, of visualization of uh, that which God has promised you. When I speak of visualization, I'm speaking of God's promise. Not on just my evil, lustful desires. Is that okay? So people can say, I want a Ferrari, I want this. I'm not speaking of that. I'm speaking of what God has for me that lines up with His Word. Because it is His Word that has power that needs to be meditated upon that comes alive. And then as I sat like that, then there's a, you know, that's just one place. There are different type of things that I'll do. That is just, and I can be there in that place and then I'll put music on, instrumental music, not rock music or singing. I'll put instrumental music with a certain key and a frequency on. Just called the key of David or the frequency of God. I don't get too funny with that, but uh, I'll put that on. For example, heal song won't do it. Okay. Haven't you felt when we worship, there are song, songs we can sing and it's, ah, it's okay. Then there's another song we can sing and it feels like the glory is there. It's all because of the key and the note or the frequency. 
because there are certain fallen frequencies and there are godly frequencies and there are demonic frequencies. So when Satan fell, there was a frequency that fell that shift out of vibration anyway. Um, and that is how music became distorted and evil. Okay. Um, uh, uh, and that's how distortion also came into music. So, so uh, I would put music on and I'll just meditate. that I can sit there for eight hours. That is where my spirit is quickened. And then in that time I might worship. I might talk to God. I don't talk to him. Oh, oh, Holy Father. I don't talk like that. I talk to him like a person. And I think this is what a lot of people have wrong. They're like, Oh, my heavenly Father, I so, I, you know, I talk to him like a person. There will be angels in your midst when you do this, what I'm saying to you. Then there's other things I can do. Before I come into a service, I will sometimes sleep. Sometimes I will be in that place of just stillness. But I would switch off, make sure I switch off all the lights. There'll be no distraction. And then I will sit and I'll begin to daydream upon the promise, the Word of God, and upon what's going to happen in the service. And most of the times it happens exactly like that. Another way of meditation is I'll sit up in front of the Word and I'll get scriptures or I'll read it and I'll meditate and I'll repeat it. I will, I will, um, I will uh, memorize it and keep speaking it until... I am so consumed and my subconscious is consumed. Another way of meditation is worshiping, where you can sing and worship with God. But I'm speaking of deep worship. How do you clean your heart? Say with me with worship. If a person can't worship in full surrender with God on their own and be connected with Him, their hearts is off. The moment they can do that, there comes an, a quickening and their hearts become pure. Blood, the blood of Christ is given to them. You see, the blood forgives and it cleanses. The only thing is we only receive the forgiving power of the blood and not the cleansing power of the blood. The cleansing power of the blood takes place in the Holy of Holies. Yes, I know it cleanses you, it forgives us of our sins, but I'm speaking of cleansing where there's no guilt. There's no condemnation, but your heart, you see, you can say, oh, but I have no guilt, I'm okay, but your heart is not aligned with God. Something is wrong because you're battling to connect with Him. And because you're battling to connect with Him, you're out of sync. Is it too much? I'll we'll finish now and we're going to pray for you. Okay. So, people's hearts are filthy because of what they speak. My words are filthy because my heart is filthy. But how do I get my heart right when I have the ability to enter into intimate worship with God? That is one part. Obviously, repentance and all those other things come into play as well. But if I cannot connect with Him, my heart is not right. What is your heart? Say with me, imagination. Anxiety in the head becomes depression in the heart if it is not dealt with before it goes from the head to the heart. So people can have anxious thoughts in their head, but it becomes depression once it settles in their heart. Once they begin to imagine on that 
anxiety and they begin to and that's what it has it has encapsulated their thoughts their thought world in their mind it now settles in their heart and it becomes a depression so your, the heart is not aligned because your heart is your imagination it's your yet sir in the spirit it's the place where you imagine when we worship god What does the Bible say? Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and your strength, which speaks of your might. But love the Lord your God with your heart. Say with me, heart. What does heart mean there? Yet, sir. Mm, in the Hebrews, yet, sir. This is in the New Testament, Greek, dionai. Dionai means imagination, not logical thinking. Meaning that when I love God, when I worship Him, I have to build Him in my imagination and be there with Him intimately. Are you guys with me? This whole service I preached, I really touched on notes. Where do I preach from? From this place here. Sometimes you'll see me have gaps because I'm imagining and thinking. But if you want to move in the Spirit, you have to love God with your imagination so that your heart can be synced with your soul, which is your thoughts and your intellect, and then with your might, which is your body. And you need both your spirit, your soul, and your body to be in alignment with God, to worship Him. Because if it is out of sync, it'll feel like everything is falling apart in your life. Are you guys with me?